0: Welcome to another episode of the Unlikely Hikers podcast and live show. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we record live with an audience via Zoom where I lead a conversation with someone in the outdoor world who I find fascinating. And today we have Perry Cohen of the Venture Out Project. I'm recording this from Portland, Oregon, which is on stolen Cowlitz, Chinook, and Clackamas land a few words for those joining the live show thank you for being here please keep your cameras off we will have a big Q and A at the end and we will get to as many questions as possible so i am your host jenny bruso i'm the founder of unlikely hikers which Started as an Instagram community for the underrepresented outdoors person, but it's grown into a hiking group and now a podcast. Today's May 5th. Also uh, the lesser known National Day of Action for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. I'm wearing red in solidarity. It's said that red is the only color that spirits see. At this moment, there are 5,712 known missing Indigenous women and girls in North America, which of course means the number is probably much higher than that. Indigenous women and girls are murdered at a rate 10 times higher than all other races. Four out of five Native women have experienced violence in their lifetime, and they are twice as likely to be sexually assaulted more than any other race. The majority of these atrocities are done by non-native people and it's because of a lack of cooperation between state, local, and tribal law enforcement that these cases poorly investigated, if at all, and rarely are the perpetrators brought to justice. At the end of our episode today, we're going to take five minutes of silence or prayer, if that feels right to you, to honor our Indigenous sisters and family. And I'll provide more actionable resources in our show notes um, when this episode is available for streaming on Thursday. I also want to say that anytime we talk about women and girls, we also have to assume that includes two-spirit and queer and trans people. So just kind of think about that. And I really hope you'll join me at the end of the episode for that. And, you know, just to keep things on a low note, (laughs) I also want to acknowledge that the Navajo nation is suffering the third highest COVID-19 infection rate in the U.S., And that is with limited healthcare and limited water resources. It is so hard to fathom all of this when so many states are reopening their rec sites and their state parks. And and I don't, I don't know, I feel really torn about all of that. Like, I mean, personally, I think that we need to stay inside longer because, you know, clearly infection rates are out of control in so many places. But I also know that a lot of people are really cracking under this and they're probably going to go outside anyway. So I don't want to put a value judgment on it. I don't want to shame people. Maybe that's something I should talk about in a future episode. In the show notes, I'm going to include um, a lot of actionable resources and uh, donation info. And I just, I want to present an idea that maybe is not going to be super popular, but it's just something I've been thinking about. You know, we're, uh, most of us are receiving that paltry $1,200 stimulus check. I still haven't gotten mine, Um, you know, just from our embarrassing circus of the U.S. government. And, you know, some of us really, really need it and some of us don't. And it's always easy to think about, the future and be like, oh yeah, I definitely need $1,200 for the future, but we don't know what the future holds and we really need to be thinking about right now. So if there's any part of that or all of it that you might want to donate to the Navajo Nation, I highly recommend it or or suggest it rather. And uh, I will be donating as well because This is a crisis and it is something that could continue to spiral out of control. And we can help. A lot of us can help. And if you can't help financially, if you can't donate money or supplies, you can share the information widely because I think a lot of people still don't know. And this is, this is massive. So I know that's a lot of darkness. First thing into the show, but it's also a lot of reality and, Isn't that just like the times we're living in? Things are dark and real and hard. But we've reached the the time to introduce our guest today. I know that's a really awkward pivot, but just bear with me. Our guest today, Perry Cohen, realized a lifelong dream of combining his love of the outdoors, his commitment to social justice, his own trans and queer identity and his professional life when he founded the Venture Out Project in 2014. TVOP's mission is to help create space for queer, trans and LGBTQ plus youth and adults to create community, develop leadership skills and gain confidence through the shared experience of outdoor adventure and physical activity. Perry has extensive wilderness experience having led Multi-day hiking and mountain biking trips in the US and Canada. He also works with colleges, schools, camps, and other organizations to deliver comprehensive and progressive workshops about around gender diversity. Welcome today, Perry.
1: So great to be here. So great to see you.
0: (laughs) You too. Yeah, I know I kind of started things off a little dour today, but you know, it's dour times. So I hope everyone can hear it.
1: Yeah, I and I agree. And I. it's one of the things I've always loved about you, Jenny, is you're so real, you know, like you, <laughs> you tell it like it is. And I think these are really wild and just outrageous times. And it's, um, it's great to be able to celebrate things. And it's also really important, I think, to talk about the realities of what's happening, and especially when the, some of these things are things we don't always see, um, especially as we're quarantined right now in our own homes and I'm in you know, Northern New England, I just don't see all these things. So it's helpful to hear about, even as it's stark.
0: It's true. And, And I just, I think that, you know, a lot of us are doing all that we can to kind of get through this incredibly difficult time. That's truly, I mean, for some of us impossible to process. I know that a lot of us have always been aware of the shadow side of humankind and the world and maybe even our own like government in the US. Um, But I think a lot of people right now are, are coming to terms with that for the first time. And that is a mighty rug to be pulled out from under someone. So this is kind of one of those really basic questions that I always dread being asked, but it has to be asked. Um, you know, I wanna know about your origin story. We've shared a lot of spaces and I'm always fascinated by like your origin story and like how that became, I mean, really became the Venture Out Project's origin.
1: Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for asking. Cut me off if I go too long, because I can tell this, this could fill a whole podcast. Can. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in, uh, in New Hampshire Um, and I was raised as a little girl, um, a tomboy who loved the outdoors and who loved sports and kind of with a mom who said, go outside and come back for dinner. And that was just fine with me. Um, and, um, you know, I loved skiing and biking and hiking and I I was fortunate that that was what you had to do in New Hampshire. It was kind of like you learn how to go outside and love it or you're depressed and I, chose mostly chose the former um and uh and i had parents who were really supportive and wonderful and i realized now what i didn't realize then which was that the outdoors was this safe space for me it was a place where there was no bathrooms there were no mirrors and when i was growing up everyone had either a blue or a red jacket um so there weren't it it just wasn't gendered in the way that things are now and so it felt really freeing and wonderful and it was a place where i could move my body in the ways that felt natural to me without people passing judgment on it or on me. So um, those were kind of my roots. And then I spent a lot of time getting away from that actually, but always kind of loving it and craving it. And then um, I guess the, I went on an Outward Bound trip. I was lucky enough to go on an Outward Bound trip, a month long sailing course uh, when I was 17 years old. And I remember, at this point, I was just realizing that I was attracted to women. So I thought I was a lesbian. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is when I'm going to have my first girlfriend. Because that's what happens during the summer, right? Um, So I had like this whole thing built up in my head. I'm going to finally get to like make out with a girl. It's going to be great. And I remember walking towards the group of people. I got out of my parents' car. I was walking towards the group of people. And like immediately my heart sunk because I saw the boys over here, the girls over here. And I, of course, walked over to the girls and all they're talking about was like, who's hot, who they're going to make out with. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is just going to be high school all over again. Um, And I don't know why I naively thought it wouldn't be, um, but I did. I had it built up in my head. And so I, and I remember starting to feel less and less safe about this idea of coming out. And so I remember really Policing myself. Like when they were talking about, you know, who's your favorite musician? I was like, don't say the indigo girls. Don't say Ani. Those are dead giveaways, you know. Um, don't say that you play softball, obviously. Like all these code things that I was excited to share that all of a sudden I was guarding and I realized that um they'd made this promise at Outward Bound that I was gonna develop confidence and build leadership skills. But I was so busy policing myself and protecting myself that there was no way. I was already so far out of my comfort zone that there was no way I was going to push myself any further so I didn't I didn't kind of achieve that promise that they'd made and I kind of always stuck in the back of my head is that was such a disappointing experience Um, and I say that because that really informed what Venture Out is now Um, so that was kind of my last outdoor experience for a while Um, and then kind of fast forward to me being 38 years old, working in a corporate job under fluorescent lights, looking out windows at mountains and at pictures of mountains and and really never getting out. And um, this was about the time when I realized that I was actually really trans and that I really actually needed to transition. And I was kind of struggling with how how to deal with that. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do uh, to deal with my feelings, which was to go hiking. And so I went hiking on uh, Mount Monadnock, which is in Southern New Hampshire. Um, and there's a bald summit there. Um, and there's this section where there's no handholds, no anything. And, and the only thing you can do is put one foot in front of the other and trust that those feet are gonna hold. And I remember having this moment where I I was trusting my feet and climbing the mountain. I got to the top and I it was kind of an epiphany where I was like, oh my gosh, this body that I felt so alienated from that I've hated these hips that were too curvy and this butt that was too big and everything that was too feminine it's because of this body that I got to the top of this mountain not in spite of it and I was like I I still get chills every time I tell that story it's wild like it's happening right now Um, but I was like you know I want other queer and trans people to have this opportunity because it's incredible to feel like you can actually appreciate your body, even if it's for 30 seconds. So I went down the mountain, quit my job and decided that I would look up queer outdoor education organizations and nothing existed. And I was like, the, I'm, I'm using the wrong search terms. Like this can't be right. So I kept searching, kept searching. And finally was like, I don't think this exists. And this was 2014. Um, so I went home to my partner and I said, I know we have two children. I know we have a mortgage. I know that I had a good job, but I've just quit it and I don't have a new one. And I know what I wanna do, but it doesn't exist. And they were like, well, I think you should start it. You know, you you can do this. And so I had about 24 hours of being really upset and then i was like, you know what? I think that's a great idea. So that was the beginnings of Venture Out. Um, and from there, Uh, we incorporated it as a nonprofit, and then we crowdsourced the name, we crowdsourced the logo because one of the things that was so important to me was that this was community created and that this was really informed by and worked for by queer people. So we had a queer person design our logo and do all of our graphic design, you know, our accountant is queer. Everywhere we can we've tried to, even when not visible, um, employ queer and trans people and so yeah, that was the the kind of genesis of how Venture Out happened. I, I wanted other queer and trans people to go outside with, and I wanted people to have this incredible experience that I had of of finally feeling free in my body.
0: I totally feel that on a personal level, the whole, like, you know, I always say my body took me here as like a hashtag, and you know, I think probably a lot of people assume that I mean it just about being like a plus size person in the world. But I really mean it for all of us who have any kind of uh, struggles with living in marginalized bodies. And, you know, we're all affected by the oppressive narratives about uh, how our bodies should be, you know, regardless of gender and, and all of that. But of course, you know, it's it's many fold more difficult when you are a trans person or or even a plus size person and and whatnot, like there's other layers to consider, but it it truly is for everyone. And I just, I love that part. (laughs) So, you know, I don't think I adequately detailed this in your bio, but in your own words, who is the Venture Out Project for?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And one that we've actually spent a lot of time talking about and thinking about. And I think in the simplest terms, I would say the Venture Out Project is for queer and trans folks and anyone who feels like the environment we create is the right kind of space for them. I feel really, really strongly that gatekeeping is a huge issue and I never wanna be a gatekeeper. So we're never gonna screen anyone out um, by saying, you know, you're not queer enough, or trans enough, or are you actually? So, you know, our goal is to put out there who we are, and what we do, and say, if this feels like the right place for you, then then you're welcome um, to come. So, you know, it's primarily queer and trans folks of all ages, we run trips for everyone from youth to adults, um, we've had seniors come on our trips, um, and, um, and we try to have as, as much, opportunity for people of different abilities to come on our trips as well. This year we were trying to run some canoe trips knowing that backpacking and hiking isn't accessible for everyone. Um, and so, you know, I think if it's, it's for folks who look at our offerings and say, wow, that sounds like something I want to try. And I, w- I want to say really, really love having beginners, um, come on our adventures because I think it's intimidating to try backpacking for the first time and it's expensive and you don't want to invest in all this stuff. And, you know, I think as adults, it's so hard to be a beginner at something. And I think the outdoors feels like something that we're supposed to inherently just know how to do. Because so many people say, oh, it's just going for a walk in the woods. But it's not, it's understanding how to read a map, how to know terrain, how to understand safety stuff, how to be prepared um, and how to know how to react in an emergency in the backcountry when you're not. Um, so we love to be somebody's entry point into into getting into the backcountry
0: something i really appreciate about you is that i feel like i see you acknowledge personal privilege a lot the privileges of being a white person who has you know passing privilege and whatnot and i but i i also at the same time obviously there is just so little trans representation out there and there's obviously a lot of reasons that inform that. Can you just maybe say a few words about like some of the unique challenges of being like a visibly queer or visibly trans outdoors person and why some folks are not super excited to just be like, hey, this is me and this is what I do and whatnot.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, first of all, I think unless someone knows I'm trans, I, I have this incredible privilege that I get to decide when and where someone knows I'm trans, which I think makes me feel a lot safer in the outdoors and in the backcountry. country. Um, and I also have this interesting experience of having known what it's like to be a woman in the outdoors. And then during my transition to have felt very visibly queer and trans. And I will say that's probably the time when I felt the least safe in the outdoors, when I felt like my gender was the most ambiguous. Um, that was scary because I felt like that's when people were really reading me and were really asking a lot of questions and and wondering about me. And so I think that's the closest experience I can have to say of why why it's scary and why more people aren't out and visibly queer in the outdoors because you know the history of who's outdoors is straight, white, economically privileged men mostly, and and I think that legacy live strong Um, and I think it's an intimidating group of, it can be a very intimidating group of folks. And I think, you know, one thing, and when you're out in the woods, you don't have your typical coping strategies or you don't have your typical resources. So it can be a lot scarier to be out and visibly queer and trans when you you don't have the places to turn to, to get support and, and you're kind of on your own to, deal with whatever comes your way um, when, if and when that kind of stuff happens. Um, and I know that's one thing I love about being in a group with Venture Out is when we're visibly queer, we at least have a, a critical mass of people and we can support each other. And I feel a lot safer being, being visible about my queerness when I have other people with me who can support me um, versus when I'm on my own. I, I still think it, it can be really scary.
0: Definitely. And um, just to add a little nuance to one thing you said, uh, it's not that, you know, historically, it's always been white cis men doing these kinds of things. It's that the representation has been uh, white cis men. I
1: agree. I think what I meant was that they're the ones often in control of access um, and so, when you're checking into a Appalachian Mountain Club hut, or when you're buying your gear or things like that, in many ways, I feel like they have been a gatekeeper to access uh, for me.
0: Absolutely, well said. Uh, what are some ways that you and your leaders uh, help ensure the safety of your of your event attendees?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And that is our number one priority is everyone's safety, both emotionally and physically. Um, So the first thing we do is we interview everyone who comes on one of our trips. And that is both to make sure that it's a good fit, but also to make sure that people actually understand what it means to go on a backpacking trip. Because I think if you've never done it, you might have no idea that it means being on your feet for six hours with 30 30 pounds on your back. Um, and sleeping in a tent with other folks, so so making sure people understand, I think, is really important. Um, and then we scout all of our trails, um, and we have a phenomenal staff. And I think that's the other thing I'm really proud of is that I feel so confident in every single one of our instructors that they're not only really well versed in backcountry safety and you know wilderness travel and things like that, but also emotional they're emotionally smart and adept and really wonderful at helping folks when when they have a hard time or kind of anticipating what might be challenges for people and i think that's something we try to do a lot is think about what's what is going to be intimidating for someone what could be anxiety inducing and how can we mitigate those things so one thing i do is every instructor we have had to come on a venture out trip as a participant so they have to know what it's like To walk into a brand new space with a bunch of strangers and feel scared and nervous. And I think that has really helped build empathy with them. Um, Other things we do, like we'll scout, you know, our bathroom stops and make sure that wherever we're stopping is going to have an all gender restroom or at least a single stall restroom. Um, And so, so really trying to think about everything, not just out on the trail, but, you know, is all of our food appropriate for everyone. If we have someone who is gluten-free, can they feel comfortable and safe? Or if they're vegan, um, that that they know their food needs are going to be met. Um, And so we do a lot of personal conversations to find out what people need. Um, We also try to talk to people about, you know, what's it going to take to make sure that you're in the kind of physical shape so that the trip is fun. Um, And it's not then about physical fitness or any of that, but it's like, Hey, if you haven't been hiking before and you're about to be out there for six hours a day, let's help you create a program so that so that it's fun and you're not miserable. Um, because it
0: can be a safety issue at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, and then all of our staff are wilderness first responders, so we've got a lot of um, a lot of technical skills. But I I think the thing that we really try to focus on is a balance of having the emotional support skills as well as the technical stuff. Because I think the technical stuff is easy. It's the emotional stuff that's harder.
0: That's so true, especially because, you know, a lot of times, especially with like physical ability and not having done something before, like when you're new to something, you know, it's, it it can be really intimidating to join something like that. But also if you don't know how your, your body works in that kind of way, it just, it adds a lot of anxiety and uh i'm i'm really happy to hear that you are letting folks know like what kind of um activity to prepare for i know that personally i have joined uh events and things like that before where where i ki- i thought i knew but it wasn't really articulated and then been like oh gosh i'm getting completely crushed by this so that's awesome i love that
1: We've learned I, from experience. I, I will say yeah. that this has been a learning process. And, you know, that's been one of the reasons I called Venture Out, the Venture Out project was I loved the idea of it being fluid and ongoing and never fixed and also community led. And so a lot of this came from participant feedback where folks said, I had no idea what I was getting into. Here are some concrete things that would have been helpful to know. And we were like, oh, great, let's incorporate that. So, so now we, we do.
0: I know that you've always been outdoorsy, um, but I'm wondering if, uh, you know, moving away from venture out projects. talk a little bit, but I'll be going back. I'm wondering if your relationship with nature has changed at all with like the changing of your identities or the evolving of your identities. Like how, what is your relationship? Has your relationship with nature changed or or, been illuminated in some kind of way.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely deepened in that um, I started paying attention to things so much more. I think pre-transition, I I was really good at compartmentalizing, and I was like, well, if I, I just don't, if I don't fe- have feelings about my gender, then I'll be okay. But that meant I didn't have feelings about anything. Um, <laughs> And I think it made me not notice things in a lot of ways. And I feel like now I can slow down and appreciate things. And and um, I think one thing I can notice, I think there's a lot of femininity in nature. And I think pre-transition, it was hard for me to accept and integrate and appreciate femininity because it was all around me. And now I, now I can see it differentiated. And I think femininity is, I love it, it's like one of the things I'm like most attracted to in the world, I think. Um, and to be able to see that in nature, and, and I feel, I realize this is slightly contradictory because I've said, oh, well, nature is so ungendered. But I also think there is, I don't think femininity has to be female necessarily. Like I don't think yeah, it necessarily has to be gender. femininity is not a gender. It, it, might yeah.
0: be, it might be in some situations like, or in circumstances, like a, an expression of gender, but it doesn't necessarily mean like woman or, you right. know. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot, especially with, uh, you know, I see a lot of, I do see a lot of femininity in nature too, but I also just see a lot of like queerness and like, um, you know, just a lot of like gender freakiness in general. And what I mean by that is like, you know, nothing is really the same. There's not a uniform way that, Everything has to be, you know, trees can be so diverse in their size, how they grow, their branches, everything. And I know this is sounding a little like uh, flaky, but it's, it's something that actually provides me a lot of comfort in being a person who doesn't see myself uh, mirrored in daily life in a way that like, maybe I do physically, but not emotionally. Like I just don't, I feel very disconnected, I think, from mainstream culture, people, blah, 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 and, um, but also just in my own gender, which I'm not even going to try to describe, but, um, you know, just, like, I feel like I see, I feel a connection to, to nature in that way, like, the way that things can be so um, strange and beautiful at the same time, and we celebrate those differences, and, like, the grandness and, Uh, you know diversity in nature that we don't we don't really (laughs) celebrate in daily life you know with people and which is pretty tragic but I I'm really excited thinking about you being able to bring that to queer youth and maybe even queer adults who have never had those thoughts before about the way that that nature can mirror you know our, ide- our our identities, our existence, our, our feelings, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and how sometimes the most unique or different thing in nature is the most beautiful and the most eye-catching and exciting. And how can we appreciate that in nature and yet we can't appreciate that? Or it's so hard to appreciate that in ourselves, I think.
0: I mean, we just, we want perfection from people in ways that are completely unrealistic yeah, in nature, we, we love like the freaky shit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are some ways that, you know, what are some unique challenges to trans folks, uh, getting outfitted for events like this, you know, going into a store and needing a backpack or things like that? Would you just say yeah. a few words about that?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think from the very beginning, it's walking into a store um, and and wondering how, you know, a salesperson is going to treat you. And when you say you need a backpack and for some reason, backpacks are gendered um, and, you know, anticipating that someone's going to send you on the wrong side or is going to look at you and say, I don't know which side to go to, um, and you're saying that's right. There is no side for me to go to, uh, or shoes that you know don't fit or only come in these colors that don't don't work for you. Um, so I think you know one of the things that's been really exciting in the work that you and I have done together is getting to talk to some of these outdoor retailers to ask the question of why is a backpack gendered? Or I actually got a tent that had a label of unisex on it, and I was thinking like, oh, I'm so glad that my that my tent is isn't gendered or sexed. Um, how how bizarre <laughs> is that? Um, but you know, and, and you know, for me, one of the things I, you know, I I can't buy pants that I don't have to get hemmed, um, and that's ridiculous because you don't you can't like roll athletic pants or you know some trans women the, the shoulders don't fit in the shirts that they put on or things like that, and it's like it's just you know I know we've talked about this forever, but just I think this comes back to nature of saying like, you know, they're creating clothing for a model size that is not reflective of who actual humans are, whether they're trans or cis or non-binary. It's just not, it's not reflective of actual human bodies. And so I think that's a huge barrier is feeling like I'm supposed to have this equipment, but I don't want to go into the store and buy it, or I don't know what, you know, I can try to get it online, but even still, it's not going to fit right. And, and I think that's just an awful, awful feeling for people to have. And it goes certainly beyond outdoor clothing to anything we put on our bodies. But I think when it's so specific to the activity you're trying to do, I think a lot of folks just throw up their hands and say, well, then I'm not going to do that activity because they don't make clothes for me to do it in.
0: Absolutely. I mean, one of my dreams is that we would, you know, start making clothing that's actually based on fit and you know then people can decide what they want to wear based on the fit and we wouldn't have to gender everything and also I want to add when I say that we wouldn't have to gender everything that doesn't necessarily mean that things would be like necessarily like gender neutral because it's okay to want to express femininity it's okay to want to express masculinity but if we could buy things that are just you know like uh in terms of like shoulder width or uh you know, pant length or hip, you know, shape, things like that. I mean, I do know of, of some companies that do things like that, but it is still very gendered um, and it would be so cool if we could just kind of move past that, then we could all shop in peace and have bodies in peace. But that right. sounds like and a if utopia. There
1: <laughs> and if there weren't automatically assumed like color patterns that went with certain cuts right. and stuff, it's like, you know, short pants should have, just as many great patterns as long pants should have or you know whatever Um, and I think absolutely I think there are these assumptions that go together automatically that we that would be great to to uncouple.
0: Um, Just taking a moment to uh, check in with everybody who's watching right now please send in your questions and comments we're I'm probably going to talk to Perry for another five or so minutes and, and then we'll get started. On the topic also of you know the challenges of going into a store and getting outfitted and whatnot you know trans people have the lowest recorded household income of anyone in the general public and obviously that parlays to some trans folks more than others others for example like uh trans femmes of color you know are making even less than that so you know as trans people like, you know, are not bringing in the kind of money to maybe opt into these kinds of like, honestly, sort of expensive adventures and events like that. I'm kind of wondering what you and, or the Venture Out Project is doing to make um, these events more accessible to people who are already coming from the margins of financial ability.
1: Yeah, that's that's something that was really core to our foundational mission, was that we never wanted to turn anyone away due to lack of funds or lack of ability to get here or lack of ability to have clothing or the proper equipment. So we supply all of the equipment. Um, we ask that you bring your own shoes just for fit and to break them in at first, but we've also been able to offer shoes to folks if, if that's an issue. Uh, but we provide backpacks and sleeping bags and all that stuff. Um, we also pick people up at bus stations at train stations. We've been lucky enough this year. We finally have some uh sponsoring partners who've who've agreed to give us some travel funds, which we had never had before because that you know we were like if you get here, everything else can be taken care of for you um so now we have we have some of that as well um and all of our trips are subsidized, and then we also have scholarship programs. For folks so we've really tried to do what we can to to mitigate the costs on that and one thing we do and i i feel really proud of this model um so we we offer a training and education and workshops and those are mostly for allies and i love that we take money from our allies and the work that we do for them and use that to subsidize the trips for our queer and trans folks so i just think it's a really cool model to say you're an ally because you're getting this training but also knowing that we're charging you these prices um, because it subsidizes getting our community outside so we've never turned anyone away for an inability to pay and that is a goal of mine that that will never ever change for venture out
0: very cool I have a funny question and it's uh something I was already thinking about but it was you kind of mentioned it in your own personal origin story um you know when I think about queer and trans events. And, you know, particularly when I was younger, going to those kinds of events was, you know, not just like the time that you go and try to find your friends, your community, but it's also where you go to try to hook up with people. (laughs) So, which, you know, doesn't really seem like maybe that kosher for wilderness uh, expeditions and Uh, events like that. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, what are some kind of rules or like codes of conduct for um, venture out trips?
1: Yeah. So we recognize that that is part of queer community um, and that that's wonderful. And we ask that when people are on a trip with us, that they not have any relationships that would isolate them from the group or isolate others from them. And so thinking about it as it's wonderful to have a romantic interest, but part of what you're here for is this community and if you're you know kind of parsing yourself off with someone else, you're missing out on the community and and they're missing out on you um so we ask folks to you know take the space they need if they need a moment or something like that, but to try to be present with the group um That being said, I have heard of some post-trip romances um, that have happened, which, I got to be honest, warms my heart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely curious about that when you were talking. (laughs) You know, I I tend to try to ask questions that lead my guests to successful outcomes, but being a community organizer, a trip leader, I'm curious, you know, what are some ways that you would like to improve the Venture Out project? Do you have any, you know, gray areas that you feel like could use improvement?
1: It's really, I mean, I know where you're going and it's really true. We're a very white organization. Um, and we have been trying, um, and it's a slow Process for us. Um, we've tried partnering with some organizations that are run by people of color. Um, we've tried running uh, POC-centered trips, was what we called them. Um, so the goal was that at least fifty percent of the participants on a trip were were people of color. I think it's an area that we're really working on. And you know what we've tried to do is say we've tried to partner with other organizations that are predominantly run by people of color or focused on, um, you know, working with people of color. And I think that um, we've been, we've had moments of success with that. You know, my hope was that we would kind of create a system where we had POC instructors and POC volunteers and and people of color could see themselves reflected in our staff. Um, And we've been much less successful with that, honestly, than than I wished and than I hoped. Um, And so we're you know we signed on uh with Teresa Baker and her her outdoor pledge to try to get some help and support and saying we're struggling and we we're trying to do this on our own and it's not working um so I think it's the thing that keeps me up at night honestly is like what what are we what do we need to be doing better um and um you know how can we change this and I, I think we've made some progress but we are far from where I want us to be and far from where we should be, um, I think.
0: Thank you for your honesty on that. I, I think it boils down to representation. A lot of my participants are not just white people, but they're also like class size white femmes and women, you know, and um, I just, it really does speak to the, the power of representation in that way because I know that like I put in a lot of work to do better than that. But the thing is, is representation is an invitation, you know, and uh, and that is a way that I am going to fall short all of the time. Um, That doesn't mean it's not something I'm going to, I mean, I'm still always going to be working on this piece. I'm always gonna be finding or doing the work to have the best outcomes and to reach as many people who need Unlikely Hikers as possible but I also am having that sort of uh, bitter pill of knowing that as a white leader, I am going to attract other white people. And, and white spaces are inherently hostile to people of color, you know? So it's, it's complicated. And I just kind of wanted to acknowledge that. Thank you for, you know, being uh, honest about that. You know, before we go to the Q and A, what are you most proud of with the Venture Out Project?
1: I think I'm proud of a few things. One, I mean, one that I mentioned that we've never turned anyone away for an inability to pay. I feel really good about that. And two, I feel so proud that we have actually created a system where people who have never hiked before, never backpacked before, learned, became an instructor, and then maybe became part of our full-time staff. And so I love the fact that we have trans people who we employ, um, who we give benefits to, who are saying, I never thought I could have this kind of job. I, you know, I always dreamed about working outdoors, but it was completely off limits to me. And because Out exists, I can have my dream job. Um, and to me, for a population who's so typically under or unemployed, to be able to say, not only are you employed, but you have a job that you love and you get to give back to your community. Um, I just love that we have that kind of cycle happening. That that feels really, um, really exciting to me. And I love, I think the other thing I'm proud of is that I've been smart enough to step back and listen when other people have really good ideas um, and to let them run with it and just to get out of their way. And I think so many of the great things that Venture has done have nothing to do with me and have so much to do with other people in our community. and and our staff and our instructors and our volunteers um, because they're just phenomenal and have so many good ideas and so much passion and love. Um, So yeah, those those would be the things I'm most proud of.
0: All right, we're gonna go ahead and launch into our Q&A and uh, and also share a few comments because I'm seeing some really lovely comments in here. This one is, any tips for managing Anxiety as a queer trans person in the outdoors, as a guy who still squats to pee, my biggest anxiety is a stranger running into me at the perfect wrong time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that too. Um, I think one is to think about these things in advance and, and you know, if there are ways to prepare. Um, I use a, a device called a P Style um, that is a stand to Pee device that is I do I think too. It's $12. It's awesome. It's very um, discreet, I guess, is something I would say. So between that and a cooler cloth, um, I think those are really great things. I also think, um, you know, some of us want to go alone and that's an important part of of being out there. But I, I also think having a buddy with you is a really great way to manage anxiety. Someone who you can talk to, who you can get support from, um, who you can say, can you stand on the trail and, and stand guard while I pee or whatever it is, um, that's, a, that's a tactic we often use.
0: This comes from a uh, a person who's volunteered with TVOP. Uh, this is from Max. It says, as a volunteer leading day hikes for VOP, we also check in with participants and check their level of comfort with being identified as a queer hiking group to passers by. And I find that very important and for comfort so so before your trucks, you have a moment where everyone kind of checks in about like their levels with like how they are uh identified as a group or i mean is this in relation to like uh, like other people like the way other people perceive you guys or like interpersonally
1: yeah first of all hi max thanks for that good reminder um so we do say that we'll say you know often when people see a group they'll ask are you a camping group are you you know boy scouts are you church group what are you and so we'll say what do you as a group let's collectively decide what we want to be and sometimes it's a queer hiking group sometimes it's a roller derby team sometimes it's a group of friends but kind of we've decided whoever feels the least comfortable we go with the least level of comfortability about being out as queer because we want everyone to feel safe and We stress that it's not about being ashamed or shy or embarrassed about who we are, but it's about personal safety. I think so much is, the more planning you can have, the more you can have these conversations before they happen, when you're calm and you can think clearly, you prevent so much. And so we actually have a whole checklist of things because it's hard to remember to do all of them um, in the moment, but I, I do think that's super helpful.
0: This is another comment. This is a person who's been on one of your adventures before, and they're saying that they would just want to thank the Venture Out Project, Harry specifically, for supporting me during my very first backpacking experience. I went on a trip with them in 2016 on the PCT and definitely had all the anxiety and imposter syndrome feelings of being a beginner, also as a fat and chronically ill femme. Perry made me feel so welcome and I truly felt supported by him. It will be an experience I'll never forget, in big part due to the, his leadership and kindness. Now I have a new love for backpacking and have had the opportunity to use all the skills I learned from Tvop a number of times in the backcountry. Thanks, Perry. Oh gosh, thank that's you. so sweet. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so nice.
1: You just made my day, thank you.
0: Oh, and I can save the name. It's Erin Rosette, who's my best friend. Oh, I love you,
1: Erin. I <laughs> thought that too. might be you, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to let on. But that was <laughs> that was an incredible trip and I loved, loved the time we spent together. It was really wonderful.
0: I love Erin and yes, we've backpacked together many times. Oh Uh, This is coming from somebody who is asking, Perry, are there any outdoor clothing brands you would recommend for trans men based on options for fit?
1: Great question. So um, I will say that um, I do work with Eddie Bauer in a partnership. um, So I want to disclose that. But I have been, um, some of their stuff is too long but they have been really upfront about, um, we're trying to get together actually an after hours shopping event where they bring a tailor in, um, which I'm super excited because when I went to them, they, they had things tailored for me like in five minutes. It was, I was blown away. Um, and so I think they're working really hard to do that. Um, I will say, I don't have an endorsement with um, Outdoor Research, but they, they have stuff that comes in short, which has been really great as does Prana. Um, So you can actually order a shorter inseam and that stuff I really like. Um, So those have been my most successful brands, I will say.
0: Okay, cool. And here's another question. Um, Perry, can you speak a bit to how Venture Out is approaching the current COVID-19 environment and how the communities you are serving are doing with limited ability to get outdoors?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's real, there's, we're just shut down in terms of our trips and options right now. And we're, we're trying to think of, you know, backup plans for the summer. If we can't do backpacking trips, would we be able to do day hikes? Um, how could we, you know, if we get tarps instead of tents or if we get single person tents, would that make things safe? Um, so we're really trying to brainstorm what we can do. But honestly, right now, at least in the, the Northeast, and I just learned in Washington, everything is shut down you can't even camp if you want to um you know the at in massachusetts is closed as in vermont um so what we're trying to do now is is figure out how we can leverage our space as a community hub um to to be supportive to people so one thing we've done every tuesday at four i lead a a workout online um and it's as much about a workout as it is just a space for people to come together and kind of see each other and so that um people seem to really appreciate that we've also done skill shares every thursday at four Um, so uh, one was how to make um, cinnamon rolls in the back country that seemed to get a lot of support for it so we're just trying to be creative Um, we also had a mental health provider come on last week and talk about coping strategies and resources and things like that so she was people seemed really excited to have uh, kind of access to those kind of resources so um we're doing what we can and we're we're trying to kind of re-envision what um this means and i think you know folks in our communities just as in all are, are struggling with um not being able to get outside and as that's for so many of us kind of our a place where we find our joy and and peace um i think it's been really hard i think you know i've heard a lot of people saying they're just going for walks and um you know trying to do what they can to get outside.
0: Thank you for offering all of those uh, creative resources, because I know that I feel like I really need to to find more creative ways to navigate all of the feelings that I have um, about all of this. And I know that I'm not alone in that. Anyway, yeah. we are going over time today, probably because okay. I'm talking too much about my feelings. But Perry, I'm so happy to have you and talk to you, and just hear your amazing perspective. And I just, I really appreciate what you do with the Venture Out project.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me, and I appreciate what you do with Unlikely Hikers, and I hope that, um, I hope that we get to continue having these good conversations, but that really soon we get to have them in person. And so yeah. thanks for keeping the joy alive.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, that's really <laughs> strong, but thank you. <laughs> All right. you're going to say bye now. Right. Bye, Perry.
1: Bye, thanks everybody. Thanks, Jenny.
0: That wraps up my interview with Perry Cohen of the Venture Out Project. Thank you so much for being here today. I know we're kind of running over I still really wanna do the five minutes of silence for missing and murdered indigenous women. I hope you'll join me. We're going to go ahead and start that five minutes now. I'm just gonna close my eyes and think, go where you need to go and just you know, send those, those healing thoughts, those thoughts of solidarity, and we will start right now. ありがとうございましたですね。All right, you all, thank you so much for joining. That was kind of an awkward transition today, but I just sort of feel like, fuck awkward. You know, like, I I think it's it felt really important to me to have this moment. And I hope that your five minutes felt productive. And if they didn't, that's okay too. Maybe you're going to take a little more time after this. And I also just want to say that in the show notes, I will include a bunch of resources for you to have more actionable options um, to support the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. And, um, and also, you know, I'll save all the talk about donating to the podcast because really, even though, yes, I deserve to be paid for my output and things like that. I, this week, I just really want you to donate, um, what you can to the Navajo Nation. Yeah, I just wanna save all my spiels because right now that feels more pressing than anything. As you know, the show happens every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The recorded episode is available to stream every Thursday. Bye.